Hey guys, welcome back to the Sprinkler Nerds Show. This is episode 28, and I'm your host, Andy Humphrey. Today, we are going to get into something that I've been working on for probably almost my whole career in the irrigation industry. And when I say working on, that's uh, sort of a generalized statement. It's a question that first came up when I was working at Chapel Valley, and there was building engineers that would ask us, hey, can you connect that irrigation system to our Johnson Controls building automation system? And back then, I was kind of like, what? Can we do it? What? Huh? No, man. These timers are are standalone units that uh, sit on the outside of your building or inside, and they, they we cannot connect to it. So fast forward almost 20 years, and today it is absolutely possible to connect an irrigation control system to the building automation system. And to do that, we use a protocol called BACnet. So today's episode is going to be all about BACnet, and I've got Todd Husterlid with me. Todd is one of the engineers at Baseline Control Systems, and he is specifically responsible for helping to scope out BACnet projects and then visiting sites and projects and helping with the implementation on the server side setup. So today I'm excited because we're going to get technical and we're going to go into full nerd mode here with Todd and discuss everything as it relates to irrigation control systems and building automation and controls and how to merge those two together to provide a solution for clients that are looking to manage, maintain, and view the data from the irrigation system on their building automation and control system. So without further ado, let's jump in today's episode with Todd all about BACnet. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Todd, hey man, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. Glad to have you today. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a little while. Uh, been wanting to have you on because you and I always have fun kind of uh, bullshitting uh, on the back end of baseline about different types of technology. And we have the, I should say, I have the luxury of spending time with you as it relates to building automations and controls integration. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. And before we jump into all that, I kind of wanted to set the stage with, with you and maybe learn a little bit about your background and how you found your way into the irrigation industry. Right. Well, uh, I guess I grew, we had irrigation on the farm growing up. So I learned a lot about moving hand line and all the other stuff that goes along with, uh, with, with dealing with irrigation there. And then uh, went to university and got an ag engineering degree. So uh, continued on with the, you know, the agricultural aspect of my education. And then um, ended up connecting with Baseline as uh, the director of sales was our neighbor for a while. And so after he moved in and we got to know him, we started talking a little bit about uh, what uh, what we all did for a living. And he talked about Baseline and the irrigation piece. And we ended up uh, kind of 
building a bit of a working relationship there, and I got involved with the company through him. So, okay. So before coming to Baseline uh, full time, you were working in the ag engineering side of things. Well, I was doing engineering. I ended up when I graduated, it was uh, the the job market wasn't very strong, and so the offer I got was from the utility company. So I ended up going to work for the power company, doing uh, a more electrical engineering and automation engineering for them. And uh, so I did that for quite a while and then uh, came on part-time at Baseline initially and, uh, and kind of worked in technology application really is I think probably the best way to describe my role, whether it's internally within the company or externally with customers. Right. So, so when you're doing um, work for the power company, see, this is good. I didn't even know some of this. This is awesome. Uh, engineering can mean all kinds of things, mechanical and electrical. And what exactly were you doing for the electrical company? Well, I was doing project work primarily. And so we were building new plants in the beginning. And then my focus was on the automation side. So we started doing large control system upgrades and replacements. So the last big project I had at the power company was the control system replacement that one of their big, it was a coal-fired plant at that time and about 2,500 megawatt plant and four different independent systems that we integrated into one big system and, you know, very, very large scale stuff. Um, it was a good job. It was a good project. Lots of different things to do and coordination. And I kind of oversaw the implementation of it was the, the role that I had. We did the design and then did, we went out for bids and picked the vendor and then provided vendor support. And the vendor we picked was actually in Foxboro, Mass. So I got to spend some time back there. Man, that uh, sounds wicked good. It was interesting. It was it was uh, it was a big challenge, and there were a lot of personnel changes that went, took place during the, the project because the company that made the equipment got sold as partway through the job, and so all kinds of logistical things to consider. But at the end of the day, the plant came online on schedule and stayed running. So that was really the measurement. Sounds much more complicated than turning twenty four volt solenoids on and off. Well, there was, we used 48 volts, so, <laughs> but uh, it's all about coordination and all about programming and testing and making sure that when you, ex that when you tell something to do something, it does it and it does it at the right time in the right way. And very much like what we're doing now with the irrigation stuff, really, it's just instead of controlling boilers and turbines and things like that, it's, uh, uh, it's water. Cool. So let's see, before we get into the, again, the topic of conversation, what exactly uh, is your role at Baseline? What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, you know, I do all kinds of different things. I think the best kind of the best way to capture it is, is technology application. So I do IT infrastructure support for both internally at Baseline and I do that for customers as well. Uh, program application. So we have a bunch of different programs we use within the company um, to you know, manage our systems and do our business processes and accounting and all that sort of stuff. So I support those systems and uh, customer side, you know, we have our, our, our standalone servers and BACnet manager. And so again, application, it's about what's the customer looking to, uh, to do the solutions are they looking to implement and then how do we do that and so technically 
within baseline, I'm under the IT umbrella, but I do IT and support and a little, little bit of engineering once in a while, software type stuff. And then, uh, but a lot of my work is customer facing too. And that's the stuff that's, you know, that's where the value to me is where I can generate the most value is when you're helping customers solve their issues you know, optimize the use of their resources and integrate their systems so that they can they can basically manage their sites or their organizations, however you know broad their uh, their management scheme is, in a way that uh, that helps them. Basically, all these operational things kind of go into the background and just work. Yeah. So I know. Let's see. Baselines in Boise, Idaho. Where is your home? Where are you from originally? Well, I I was born in Eastern Washington, and then uh, I've lived in Canada now for the last uh, 10 years. And so I go back and forth now between west of Calgary and then outside of uh, Spokane. Okay, cool. All right. So let's see. My first, I can still remember, this is going back to about 2002 when I first got into the irrigation business and was doing sales and estimating for a large irrigation contractor in, in DC, Baltimore area. We would occasionally have requests to uh, connect an irrigation system to the building automation system. And we were, you know, I, re I remember thinking, I wonder why they want to do that. And then saying something like, no, you can't connect, you know, this Rainbird at the time ESP controller to the building automation system. I mean, maybe you could hijack the 24 volt terminals on the controller and provide some sort of a relay to operate the system, but there isn't any way to directly connect these uh, types of devices at that time. But if we fast forward uh, 15, uh, actually almost 20 years now, it's entirely possible to connect uh, an irrigation system to the building automation system. And so this is the topic I wanted to talk to you about. And on the baseline side of things, we have what we call the BACnet manager. And so Typically, when I use the word BACnet, it's almost deer in the headlights. People go, what is BACnet? What are you talking about? And so let's just start there. You know, what, what exactly does the term BACnet mean? Well, BACnet is, is, a, is a kind of an acronym. It stands for Building Automation and Controls Network. And um, it was originally developed in the HVAC industry, the, the, the climate controls industry as a way to provide a common language for devices and equipment to talk to each other and share information and, uh, and be able to control each, you know, send control signals and data signals back and forth to each other. And uh, but, but before BACnet, everything was done in a proprietary architecture. So if you wanted to talk to vendor A product, you needed to use the vendor A uh, control system or the vendor A uh, computer or box. And, you know, in many cases, vendor A had a great solution for, let's say, air conditioning, but maybe not a great solution for other building automation requirements. And so you ended up with multiple user interfaces and the operators ended up having to learn multiple systems and maintain multiple systems. And there was just a lot of segregation between the different functional elements of running the, the operating your systems. 
And so BACnet was developed as a way to try to provide interoperability between these different systems and send data back and forth and, and allow them to uh, collect this information into you know, a, a smaller number of user interfaces and provide uh, a common console, basically, to, uh, to run, the, run their systems. So would it be a f- would it be fair to say that it, before backnet you would had to ha- you would have to have all the same manufacturers uh, let's say thermostats in order to talk to them because you had to have that manufacturer's uh, of thermostats operating system to talk to that device but you couldn't use thermostat company A's software to talk to thermostat company B's devices yeah, basically, you know, it, 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 as things got more sophisticated, the really old thermostats were just, you know, simple on-off type devices. But as things started to get more sophisticated and you had uh, the ability to change, you know, the, the, the programming on time-based type things or occupancy-based things, or there's all sorts of additional parameters now that you can put into place and uh, you know that information was not readily available and so uh, when you start talking about working on a common platform uh, a common infrastructure it's now uh, these devices are speaking the same language and now you can have interoperability between them so in some ways a rough comparison might be you know when you have people that speak a particular language, right? So English-speaking people can talk to each other and understand each other, and then Spanish-speaking people understand each other, and maybe not the English and Spanish. You know, they may not be able to talk to each other, and so you come up with some sort of a common basis that allows you know, information to, to, to translate through the system, and, uh, and now everybody can understand sort of the essential pieces of data that are going back and forth. Got it. So BACnet, just to repeat, you know, that's B-A-C-Net, which stands for Building Automation Control Network, is the common language. So any device that is going to be connecting to the automation system uh, as it is today is developed using the BACnet language as the common language to connect all devices. Is that right? Pretty much. That's the, that is the platform that has been standardized in, uh, across the industry and there's a committee that oversees the development and implementation and makes sure that uh, everything stays current, publishes the specifications on how it works and how to uh, ensure that the devices that you produce are compliant with the, you know, with the standards so that when you sell your device, it's got the BACnet certification so that you know as the end user, you can plug it into your system and it will talk to the rest of you. But Great. So let's, uh, let's move along. What is required to connect to a building management system? You know, can any controller do it? I, I know we built special things at baseline, but what's required? Well, obviously you need to have some infrastructure to utilize the BACnet data. So you need a a console that's set up to talk to the devices out in the field. And so we don't produce that particular component, the user interface piece, the graphics development uh, engine and things like that. So, you know, you want to have some infrastructure either in place or, or being supplied in parallel with uh, with what we are 
you know, with, with what we produce on the backnet side so that you can talk to the end devices and then bring that data back in, put it onto the computer screen, and you can either lay it out visually with maps or other graphics and things or just, you know, text presentations and that sort of thing. So you want to have some backnet infrastructure in place to, uh, to talk to the backnet devices. Uh, once that's in place, then, you know, you need the network architecture or the network infrastructure to, to, to provide the communication back and forth to, between the different devices. And uh, once that's done, then it's really just a matter of figuring out what data you want to see, what signals you want to, you know, receive and send and, and configuring that, your, your console. And pretty much that's it. There's some networking stuff that you need to configure. Obviously, it's a, the, the BACnet interface that we work with is the Ethernet-based protocol. And so you need to have your, your, your network architecture set up to accommodate the the equipment, so you know IP addressing and routing and all these different things, so that devices can see each other. And uh, BACnet, one of the special characteristics of BACnet is that it uses what's called broadcast messaging on the network, which means that the devices uh, all need to be on the same local area network. It doesn't uh, pass through routers uh, very easily. There are some tools to do that. Generally speaking. Uh, it needs to be all on the same local area network so that uh, those broadcast messages can go between devices. Okay, got it. So let's talk a little bit uh, in tangible terms, and we can speak to, to how baseline connects because that's what we're both familiar with. Does the controller itself as the piece of hardware uh, talk to the to the system, or, or how, how do we, let me step back, how do we actually connect the controller to the building automation system? Right. Well, we um, baseline the controllers. They talk to, we have the app manager application, which is sort of our proprietary data interface, essentially. So app manager has a bunch of different features that are part of it developed out of base manager, which was the original application. So for lack of a better term, that's the central control software. I hate using that. I don't like using that word, but for irrigation purposes, that's Baseline's central control software, uh, which is this cloud hosted. Correct. It's it's a it's a server based application. Which yes, it's the central control. It's the place where you would go. It, it, it's kind of your your single or your first point of contact with the system. So you can use that to view and talk to the field devices. So in 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 many ways, it's got some similar functionality to BACnet or the HVAC network systems in that, uh, you know, you're consolidating all of the information into a single port of entry, a single user interface. Base manager is the baseline version of that. You know, what we provide then is an interface from base, from app manager, from base manager to the BACnet system. Uh, the BACnet interface actually goes, it doesn't go to the controller directly. It goes from the, 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 the BACnet uh, host out to app manager. And then uh, that's where the data exchange is. Right. So on the baseline side of things, just to repeat what I think you just said, the controller talks to uh, base manager, which is baseline central control software in the cloud. All the data is stored there in the database. And then uh, the backnet manager piece 
which maybe we could think of that as a translator. And it extracts the information from the base manager cloud hosting software and then makes it available to the building automation system in the language that they're looking for, i.e. the BACnet language. Does that sound right? Yep, that's correct. You've got it. And of course, uh, base base manager app manager is cloud has the cloud hosting instance, but in, um, you know there are, there is the option to host it locally too. So it's uh, but yes, the communication path would be controller, app manager, backnet manager, then backnet system, and then back the other direction would go from backnet to backnet manager, to app manager. And then to the controller. So we're kind of moving data around, but it has to hop through a couple different places to get from the controller to, let's just say, the Siemens system or the Johnson Controls system. It's got to go into our cloud server through the BACnet translator, and then it's available in their building automation system. And so with that said, where does this BACnet uh, piece, which is a server piece, where does that live? Where does that get installed at the facility? Well, there's a couple of different options on that, but the BACnet manager software and the server instance for BACnet is going to be on their local system. So the because it's talking BACnet, it has to be on the, the local area network, uh, like the BACnet server is on or the BACnet host is on, so that it can share data back and forth. BACnet manager does is it establishes a route of communication out to app manager and if app manager is in the cloud then it goes out into the internet and connects up to app manager if uh, app manager is on a local host at the at the customer site then it will talk to the local app manager uh, which is the also then connected out to the controllers in the field got it well no wonder it takes uh, a guy like you to set this up because what you just said for most people listening probably just went in one ear and out the other ear and they're like what in the hell did todd just say <laughs> <laughs> yes it's there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle uh, it's um, you know, there's some diagrams in uh, our documentation, which makes probably a little bit more clear, but, but there are, you know, some stops along the way for the data between the, let's say, the irrigation valve and the BACnet user console. Yep. And there's, so if you think of an irrigation control, there's a lot of data points. There's valve on and off there are alarms like flow conditions there in a baseline system there's soil moisture sensors there's the water usage and so there's a whole list of data points that could be collected uh, i know that baseline has a list that's called the PICS document that basically lists out here are the 50 data points that you can collect from the system and use on the building automation system right you betcha. You bet. The the PICS is a um, uh, is essentially a document format that is follows the BACnet standard, and it says it stands for Protocol Implementation Conformance Statement. So what it does is it provides all of the information that you would need to understand what data the device is publishing and what data it is looking for to receive and how it's doing it. So it's got information about addressing and you know how, how is the data presented in BACnet and then how do you send it commands. 
And so, yes, that, that document is, is on the, the baseline systems website uh, under the, the BACnet manager area under support. Cool. So let's, um, as we get closer to, to wrapping this up, I want to have like a, a look into the future, I guess, because oftentimes when you and I are working together and we start talking about BACnet, we start thinking about why did BACnet even exist on these buildings? And then we think about how does that affect our industry? One of the thoughts that I had is that if BACnet was developed to help, uh, so you could have many different manufacturers of components all on the same system. Today, in the irrigation controls world, we live in a complete vertical. In other words, a baseline central control system can only talk to baseline controllers. A Rainbird system can only talk to Rainbird controllers. A CalSense to CalSense. We, there's no way to have one manufacturer's software work with another manufacturer's hardware. And so one of the things, uh, as I vision out, is, is that can become a real problem because if you are a city, county, municipality, school system, uh, university, and you have a hundred different controllers and you maybe have 20 that are existing on one manufacturer's system and you have 20 on another, right now you have to retrofit the entire campus in order to uh, centralize them onto one platform. And so as I, you know, think about the future and where this could go if irrigation manufacturers would or would develop uh, all develop into the backnet protocol then the end user could write that into the spec and say we would support any irrigation hardware that is also backnet compatible to uh, to some extent remove the manufacturer's control capability so that it's not proprietary anymore. You know, they don't have to log into Rainbirds for these 20 and log into baseline for those 20. They can just look at their building automation system and see all of the different pieces of hardware. And with that said, there are some devices that are just so old, they'll never be possible. But, but what do you think about that as it relates to where technology is going and maybe the software race versus the hardware race and proprietary hardware versus non-proprietary hardware? Right. Well, I think you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of that happening in these various cloud platforms. There's these APIs and integration and data management is sort of the focal point of a lot of these things. Single sign-on is another example of that that you see. Um, but you know, how many passwords and logins do you have to remember in you know these different environments? And you know, how often are you in one system and you're like, oh man. It would sure be nice if I had this data available in a different system. So, you know, most of those cloud-based systems that you see these days are, are primarily focused on, on business systems type data and management. But, um, you know, we see the same thing when you come from the uh, process automation systems where you've got, uh, you know, basically take your irrigation control system with valves and sensors and flow meters and temperature monitors and expand that by orders of magnitude and um, you know they've been dealing with this challenge as well for many years and the more you can share data between platforms the better you can uh, uh, you know control your systems the more efficient it is for you to keep track of what's going on and the easier it is to manage your resources and to, to monitor performance and monitor costs and monitor um, you know 
come up with ways of improving how you run your how you run your business basically and so you know we have customers that do have flow reporting for example and so we report flow across backnet into their backnet system at which point it turns it around and sends it back to their utility company absolutely that's a that's actually a great example because if all of the data is not stored in one system the user has to log in to another piece of software with another password, run a different report, export that report, maybe consolidate it in Excel to the master water use report, instead of just piping that irrigation water use data right into the building management system where they already have single login, they already have the reports that they're looking for, they already have the messaging alarms and alerts that they want to have and the people they want them sent to. And so it's that sort of consolidation of data all in one platform, right? Absolutely. And, and, and alerts and, and alarm is another good example of that. And first of all, you have a single point of flow through. So there's an awareness of what's going on. And then you can distribute those alarms and messages out in a way that fits your resource model, right? So if people take vacation, it's easy because, you know, you've got one area of contact to manage the alerts and manage the alarming and make sure you're not missing things and make sure that people aren't getting woke up at two o'clock in the morning on their holidays because the alarm came in under their cell phone. And so it's, it's really all about managing information, uh, having the ability to customize that information, you know, where it's going and who's seeing it and what do you do with it? You know, it's easy to produce data, but you need to make that data useful. And consolidating data is really one of the key, play, key ways of doing that because it, it provides context to what you're looking at. Yep. And if the, the irrigation contractor, if they're, I, won't, I don't want to say lucky, but it's rare that an irrigation contractor has a weekly uh, checkup on a system. You know, it's typically two weeks uh, or monthly. Uh, however, the facilities guy or gal is there every day of the week. And so if there is a uh, high flow condition or a zone valve or a solenoid or an issue with the irrigation system, the facilities person can be right there to take a quick look and then call in the professional to assist, you know, when it's above and beyond their, their control, but they're on site every day. And so they should be getting these messages with the ease of not having to get in and learn baseline system, Rainbird system, Toro system, just right in the control system that they're looking at and managing every day. Exactly. And, and, and there's real value to that, you know, and now you've got, you know, if you've got flow data linked back to your utility information and your usage data and your costs, well, it's all under one umbrella now. So I can tell you, if I have a system that's integrated together like that, I can tell you in terms of dollars, how much did we spend on irrigation in the last month? Right. Without having to log into the irrigation manufacturer's system, straight up in the building automation and control platform. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I can, we could vision where this is going to go. Um, probably most of that will eventually come true. I, I, an interesting parallel in the home space, and many of you guys listening probably have some sort of home automation controls, whether it be just a simple Nest thermostat or maybe a ring camera, uh, et cetera. I tend to link any device I can into my Amazon Alexa app. So for instance, I have an outdoor plug. It plugs into the, uh, we'll call them the party lights and exactly 
one hour before sunset every day, those lights come on and then Alexa turns them off at uh, I think 10.30 p.m. But I can just get out my phone and say, Alexa, turn on outdoor patio lights. And the devices don't have to be made by Amazon, but they are just simply Alexa compatible. And just like you mentioned earlier, Todd, it's not the device talking to Alexa. It's the software behind the device, the two pieces of cloud software talking to each other uh, that enables that to happen. So it's not as if I'm, uh, I could log into the, uh, the Wi-Fi plug into that software, but I don't really ever access it because it's connected to my uh, Alexa app. So I manage it all through the Alexa app. Precisely. And that's very, very uh, uh, similar to the way that the, the baseline system works. Yep. Uh, just taking that, that um, interconnectivity of data from the residential consumer level right up into the commercial and industrial level, uh, which is the, the BACnet protocol. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been a good conversation. We'll have to hit on it again. And hopefully for everybody listening, uh, you learned something new. And if you learned uh, if you could take away just one thing, it's that BACnet is the key word. So be listening. If somebody asks you about connecting to a building automation and control system, you want to ask them if uh, the device should be BACnet compatible. And BACnet is the key word to uh, you know, kind of be the glue that ties all this together. So keep that in mind and uh, keep a lookout for these types of projects. And uh, Todd, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Always enjoy visiting, Andy. It's, it's, uh, we have good discussions. So thanks for the opportunity. We'll, uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.